Save over 65 euro on your weekly family shop with SuperValue Online Shopping. It's as easy as one, two, three, go! Shop our own brand low prices range. Available over 2,000 weekly special offers. And use your weekly money off vouchers when you shop online at supervalue.ie. Plus, when you order before 12 noon, we'll deliver everything straight to your door the very same day. Supervalue makes saving money as easy as one, two, three. Experience the all new Mazda CX60 at Stewart's Mazda from October 17th to 22nd for an exclusive test drive. Mazda's first plug-in hybrid SUV is also the most powerful and luxurious we have ever built. Test drive it at Stewart's Mazda Exit 11 M50, October 17th to 22nd. New Mazda CX-60 plug-in hybrid, crafted in Japan. Welcome to a breath of fresh earth, taking the commitment to a clean environment to the next level. Your host, Rick Friedman, will crown the climate hero and villain of the week, along with discussing worldwide environmental issues, showcasing new products designed with the longevity of our planet in mind, and putting the spotlight on the individuals making a big impact in helping the climate and pollution crisis through social media. Now, your host, Rick Friedman. Thanks, Steph, for the nice intro, and we'll hear from you later at the end of the show. Today, we're going to switch things up a bit. Our lead story is also our Climate Hero of the Week, so let's do this right. It's time for the Climate Hero of the Week. Dutch inventor Boyan Slot founded the Ocean Cleanup at the age of 18 in his hometown of Delft, the Netherlands. It all started when then 16-year-old Boyan was scuba diving in Greece and saw more plastic than fish. He devoted his high school science project to understanding the problem and researched why cleanup was considered impossible. It became clear that a cleanup using vessels and nets would take thousands of years, cost tens of billions of dollars, and harmful to sea life. There are five major plastic accumulation zones in the world where ocean currents converge. We learned about them when we featured Marcus Erickson and his company Five Gyres in episode 12. These accumulation zones are commonly called garbage patches. The majority of ocean plastic will not go away by itself, but instead it slowly breaks down into microplastic. Boyan came up with an idea to develop a passive concentration system. Instead of going after the plastic, he lets the plastic come to him. Led by Slot, now 26, the Ocean Cleanup is designing and developing cleanup systems to what is already polluting our oceans and to intercept plastic on its way to the ocean via rivers. Speaking of rivers, Slot built the Interceptor. The Interceptor is the first scalable solution to prevent plastic from entering the world's oceans coming from rivers. It is 100% solar-powered, extracts plastic autonomously, and is capable of operating in the majority of the world's most polluted rivers. Think of it as a floating barge scooping up plastic debris while it takes a leisurely ride down the river. River waste flowing with the current is guided by the barrier towards the opening of the interceptor. Thanks to the interceptor's catamaran design, the water flow path is optimized to pass through the system, carrying the plastic onto a conveyor belt. A shuttle automatically distributes the debris across six dumpsters, as the containers are filled equally until they reach full capacity. The first interceptor is cleaning a river in Jakarta. In episode 16, we talked about Jakarta sinking, but I could have spent two hours talking about plastic waste in Indonesia. It's kind of like pick your poison with this show. Pollution, CO2, rising seas, 
There are so many problems, and that's why after 16 episodes, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of these challenging issues. The second interceptor is cleaning a river in Malaysia. The company plans on cleaning 1,000 of the most polluted rivers all over the world in the next five years. But how can they clean the ocean with the interceptor? Ah, that's the trick. They can't. The ocean is too big. The cost would be enormous. That's why Ocean Cleanup is developing a passive ocean cleanup technology that moves with the currents, just like the plastic, to catch it. By deploying a fleet of systems, the Ocean Cleanup has estimated to be able to remove 50% of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch every five years. The challenge to cleaning up the gyres is that the plastic pollution is spread across millions of square kilometers and travels in all directions. we got to stop the plastic from entering the oceans before it gets there. The ocean system consists of a long floater that sits at the surface of the water and a skirt that hangs below it. The floater provides buoyancy to the entire system while the skirt prevents debris from escaping underneath and leads it into the retention system. The concentrated plastic is brought back to shore for recycling. If you sign up to be a supporter, like I did, you can register to get early access to their first products that they're going to make out of the verified ocean plastic. There aren't any clues as to what the product will be. Sometimes you just have to have a little faith, take a chance. And in this case, I'm banking on Boyan not to let me down. The revenue from supporters like me helps fund the cleanup expansion to the other four ocean gyres. The Ocean Cleanup is a project with the ultimate goal of reaching a 90% reduction of floating ocean plastic by 2040. I like to watch the International Space Station fly overhead from my backyard. I'd also like to see a million stars, too, but there's too much light pollution. Years ago, I traveled to Hawaii, and the stars were amazing. They looked like they were hanging just inches above Diamond Head. Is anybody doing anything to help us see the light show in the sky? Enter International Dark Sky Association. They work to protect the night skies for present and future generations. Their purpose is to protect the night from light pollution. And there are people who belong to the International Dark Sky chapters located all across the globe, helping people enjoy the night sky and advance public policy to promote responsible outdoor lighting that's beautiful, healthy, and functional. There are already 64 chapters operating in 18 countries. There's so much magic going on in the night sky, and I can't see it unless I travel far from my home. In my next life, I'd like to spend my nights looking up at a star-filled sky, maybe enjoying a cold Labatt's Blue, or maybe two. Doesn't that sound nice? There's a dark sky community in Sedona, Arizona. I bet you that's a great place to see stars. I was in Arizona two years ago and visited the Grand Canyon, Meteor Crater, and hoped to get a glimpse through the Lowell Observatory, but the weather would not cooperate. I'll have to try again someday. When was the last time you were able to sit outside and see a sky filled with stars? Speaking of dark skies... How about quiet skies? Or better yet, a place where you could go and live without Wi-Fi, cell phones, Instagram, text messaging. That might be nice for a change of pace. What about no microwave ovens? Dire Straits would have to alter the lyrics from their 1985 hit song, Money for Nothing. Remember when they sing about installing microwave ovens? There are no microwave ovens or any of the previously mentioned technology in use inside the National Radio Quiet Zone in Green Bank, West Virginia. Population 143. This is where the Green Bank Telescope lives, covering a colossal 13,000 square miles. The Quiet Zone was established by the government in 1954 as a means of refining the new and exciting science of radio astronomy. The telescope is the largest movable object on Earth. The telescope doesn't look, it listens very carefully. 
It captures the secret sounds of faraway galaxies and hears whispers emanating from the universe. It's 100 by 110 meters in diameter, and it rises almost 500 feet into the sky. The telescope is so sensitive to external frequencies that the FCC requires radio silence all around it. That means no wireless technology for 10 miles around Green Bank's epicenter. So just how sensitive is this telescope? The manager of the area, Mike Holstein, said the energy given off by a single snowflake hitting the ground and anything man-made would overwhelm the signal. It's a little hard to believe. To protect the telescope's sensitivity, there's a group that patrols the area. Radio transmissions are restricted. Wi-Fi routers are a no-no. And like I said, microwaves may be confiscated if they're found. Even the most mundane wireless devices like baby monitors are considered no good. That's right, no reception. Inside the quiet zone, disconnection is a way of life. I wonder what it would be like without checking my phone for sports scores and trailers for dinosaur movies. Would the days slow down? Would anxiety fade? Would you like to move to the quiet zone like it was the last safe place on Earth? I think it would do us all some good to disconnect from the techno grid for a while. My daytime job requires GPS tracking of people, so I could only get away from it for a few weeks a year. But then how could I reach the kids? Oh, right, a landline. Does anybody under the age of 15 even know what a landline is? Quiet Zone doesn't get a lot of tourists, despite the fact it's close to Baltimore and D.C. and Pittsburgh and Philly and other East Coast cities. Could it be that the lack of connectivity puts people off? Maybe it would be calming. Green Bank has been named the quietest town in America. If you're passing through, just glance at your wireless devices. They'll all come back with a message that says no signal. Just reading about this small city reminds me of the movie The Village, except without the imaginary monsters. Maybe Simon and Garfunkel were right. There's a sound to silence. The Radio Quiet Zone offers a place to disconnect from your digital world and engage with other human beings. Step away from the Wi-Fi and give it a try. Now it's time for the Climate Villain of the Week. With the election just weeks away, I'm naming the Supreme Court today Villain of the Week. The court's decision in the famous case Citizens United versus FEC is the reason for my selection. Decided in 2010 in a 5-4 decision in favor of Citizens United, the Supreme Court held that corporate funding of independent political broadcasts in candidate elections can't be limited because doing so would violate the First Amendment. The case started after Citizens United, a conservative nonprofit organization, sought to air a film critical of the Democrat presidential candidate Hillary Clinton shortly before the 2008 Democratic primary elections. At that time, airing the film would have violated the 2002 Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act. You can look that up later if you want. Point is, when the court sided with Citizens United, it changed everything about campaign finance and removed the limits corporations and nonprofits could donate to a candidate. This opened the floodgates and allowed money from climate deniers like the Koch brothers. Remember those bastards from episode four? Big donors who supported the Tea Party movement used climate denial as one of the foundations of their party. Once money started flowing, Republican candidates turned a blind eye to climate change and denied the problem exists. While the election is on my mind, I want to tell you about Vote Forward. When you join Vote Forward, you can write letters to voters encouraging them to vote. But you better hurry. The election is just around the corner. Vote Forward wants you to send your letters by October 17th. 
that's the prime time for people to receive your letter. I'm sending out a big batch of letters to potential voters in Florida. Writing letters to voters is one of the most effective ways to help increase election turnout. You can do it right from your house. Vote Forward gives you a template. Just print it out, complete it, fold it, sign it, mail it. You pay for the postage, they pretty much do everything else. You can send letters no matter where you live. Sending a Vote Forward letter is one of the easiest things you can do to increase turnout. It takes two minutes and one stamp. Please go to Vote Forward today and register to see where your letters can be sent. During the time of this recording, there were still many states in the country where your letters are needed. This doesn't guarantee, of course, that someone's going to open your letter and say, Hey, Rick sent me a letter. I think I'll vote now. But it's one more little nudge to make people think they should take the time to vote. I have a true social media climate warrior for you today. Check out Professor Mark Brandon. He's got a Ph.D. in polar oceanography. How many people do you know that have that title? In 2012, he was awarded the honor of the Times Higher Education Most Innovative Teacher of the Year. At 10, the professor was probably building glaciers in his backyard. I was playing wiffle ball. I guess that explains a lot about our two career paths. Funny to think about it today, but the wiffle ball was made out of plastic, and so was the bat. Even then, I was helping destroy the world. I'm trying to make up for it. Please forgive me. The professor was also lead academic advisor for the television show Blue Planet episodes Frozen Seas and Seasonal Seas and the BB show Frozen Planet, the Ice Worlds and Shallow Seas episode, and Are We Changing Planet Earth? Featuring the host David Attenborough, whose brother, oh, never mind, can't do it two episodes in a row. You can follow the professor along with his 9,000 other fans at icy underscore mark. Tweet us now. We haven't done many interviews on this podcast, but today I'm pleased to announce we have special guests. We have two of the president's doctors with us. We've altered their voices to protect their identity. So without any further delay, good evening, doctors. Thank you for taking time to answer a few questions. We've spoken off the air and exchanged pleasantries, so let's get right to it. What do you think's wrong with the president? He isn't human, I tell you. He's in league with the devil. That would explain a lot. Tell me, doctors, what do you think of the president's recent press conference at Walter Reed Medical Center? Establishment propaganda. That's what most of us thought. What would you say to his supporters that liked it? Don't hear only what you want to hear. Yeah, that seems like good advice. A few months back, the president boasted about taking hydroxychloroquine. Why shouldn't the president have taken it as a drug to help prevent COVID-19? Because its deadly properties were not fully known. I mean, come on. What about just a swig of it in the morning? You know, just in case it works. Could have really hurt? The daily drink may not be the best thing in the world. It would be stupid to take a chance. That's a fair point. But what's the biggest risk to consuming it without proper medical supervision? Permanent brain deterioration. Some people think that's already happened. I've heard the medical community say it can cause behavioral changes. You interact with President often, in your opinion. What are some of the signs hydroxychloroquine has already had a negative effect on him? He becomes confused. He exhibits a marked carelessness. And he displays irresponsibility and poor judgment. Poor judgment like hosting super spreader events? That does sound dangerous. Anything else? It can lead to crime. There's a wholesome abandonment of goals and ambitions. There's trouble. Big trouble. You can get cancer. This is a surprise to me because the president brags about having a very high IQ. Do you know what his IQ is? 64. That's 
substantially lower than I thought. But when you listen to him, I guess maybe it makes sense now. Doctors, what do you think lies ahead for the president's mental acuity? Let's wait and see. If you don't want to speculate, I understand. Just a few more questions for you, and thanks again for speaking with us so candidly. You know, it's hard for many of us to understand why you stay loyal to the president. Do you believe all that BS he's telling people about COVID-19? You think we're stupid? Now, I didn't say that. I promised a listener in London I would ask the following question. What would you say to all those people riding around in boats supporting the president? You're at the end of your trip. What about when he says people shouldn't be afraid of the virus? I told him what we were up against. Don't pay any attention to it. What do you have to say to the American people about supporting the president during his election campaign in 2016? I'm sorry. Do either of you think Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States? I sure hope so. Thank you both for making those statements. I think it would be advantageous to the public if you gave us your names. Just put it out there for the record. Don't you agree? Not necessarily. I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree. Either way, I do appreciate you coming on the podcast to answer some of these questions. But one thing I have to ask, do you always answer questions with short, snappy answers? Yes. Nothing further will be said. Good night. Goodbye. Ladies and gentlemen, let's raise a glass to our birthday boy. David Vaughn is the special birthday boy today. David Vaughn was born on October 23, 1962. He's a climate scientist at the British Antarctic Survey. His research focus is the role of ice sheets in the Earth system and the societal threat of climate change and rising sea levels. He's a co-coordinator, lead author of the IPCC Fourth Assessment Report. His research work includes the mapping of the bed of under Pine Island Glacier and the discovery of a subglacier volcano. He was appointed Officer of the Order of the British Empire in the 2017 New Year Honors for Services to Glaciology. Dr. Vaughn led a coral restoration project in Florida. Dr. Vaughn discovered a process to speed up the rate of growth for coral using a process called microfragmentation. He and his crew are able to produce hundreds of coral in a day. Dr. Vaughn postponed his retirement to work on restoring corals in Florida's reef tract. Thanks for sticking around, Doc. We need you. Check out hashtag microfragmenting on Twitter to read more about Dr. Vaughn's great work. That's the end of the episode. We've covered a lot of ground, and I'm really nervous but hopeful about the election. I want you to remember the feeling in your stomach after the 2016 presidential election. I was sick about it, and I've grown angrier each day since that insane night. What lessons did we learn? Number one, don't assume anything about the polls or that your vote doesn't matter. I guess that would be two. We saw that unfold in 2000 with Gore and Bush in Florida. You want to say in the country? Vote! You can't sit in your office and complain about the state of the country if you can't even take the time to vote every two or four years. So with just a few weeks to go, ask yourself, what can you do before the election or on election day to help Joe Biden win? Write letters like I mentioned earlier in the podcast? Call people and make sure they have transportation to the polls? Call your friends and make sure they understand not voting is completely unacceptable and you might banish them off the friend list if they don't vote this time. I don't want any of us to wake up the day after the election if things go badly and wonder if there was one thing, just one thing we could have done that might have made a difference. Think of the excitement we'll experience of having a responsible adult in the White House. We'll get back on path to beating down the virus and getting back to work, attending sporting events, going to movies, hugging our friends. We'll get those kids back out in school and we'll get the other ones out of the cages. We'll tell Putin to stick it and so much more. 
Drop me a note on Twitter and let me know what you think of the show or leave a review. You can always email me at rf at richardfriedman.net. The next episode is the big Halloween special. I'll be dropping some very scary stuff on you. Until then, as always, thanks for listening. Good night, Galileo. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening to A Breath of Fresh Earth with your host, Rick Friedman. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you're the first to hear new episodes. If you want to nominate someone for Climate Hero of the Week, send it to Rick at the link below. This has been A Breath of Fresh Earth. Thanks for listening.